Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Well, Pastor Michael, um, I am, I mean, so honored to be here, and I love your family, and I love Anna. She and I have had late-night church clap dance parties at camp, and it was some of the greatest memories. Um, Yes, so as he said, my name is Kaylin, and I'm so excited to be hanging out um, with all of you today. Who loves Soma Church? Do you just love your home church? I love this church and have had so much fun getting to know some of you and getting to know some of your stories. Um, Yeah, so I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Anybody been to Alabama before? Yes? Okay. Do we have like any Roll Tides? War Eagles, one Roll Tide. Uh, Go Tigers, Clemson maybe? Yeah? Okay, I'm actually a Clemson fan. Shocking. I know. From Alabama and root for the ACC. That's because my brother plays football at Clemson and I taught him everything he knows. So... Um, I'm a big Clemson fan. Davo is like so thankful for what I taught him. Anyways, I'm so excited to talk with you today. And as I was praying, I was asking God, you know, when Pastor Michael called, I immediately um, had this storybook come to my mind. And it's the story, You Are Special by Max Licato. Anybody ever read this book before? Yes? Oh my goodness. It is one of my absolute favorite stories. And I love it because I feel like it gives us a picture of what it is to be a small group leader. So for those who don't know the story, let me set the scene for you. Um, This is a story about some wooden people called Wemmicks. And uh, this village of Wemmicks, they have some stickers. And in these stickers, there's either stars if you're a good Wemmick, and it's dots if you're a bad Wemmick. You can see right here some of our lovely Wemmick friends, some stars and some dots. Well, the whole story takes about this life of a little woman named Punchinello. I think that's how you say it. Punchinello, something like that. And he, unfortunately, um, only has dots. So he lives his whole life walking around with no stars, only with dots. And the reason is because all the other women can jump higher than him. They can run faster than him. When he tries to give a speech, he stutters. Punchinello lives his whole life only experiencing these dots being placed on him. Until one day, he meets a girl named Lucia. Y'all know this part of the story? He meets this girl. And who can tell what's different about Lucia? No marks. How amazing, right? And Lucia lives her life in such a way that she has no stars and she has no dots. So naturally, Punchinello is like, how do you do this? And it brings us to this part of the story, and it's where I want to lean in with us today. She says, I go meet with my maker, Eli. That is what she does. And she challenges this sweet little woman to go on a journey of meeting with his maker. We pick up the story there. Eli says, every day I've been hoping you'd come. Punchinella said, I came because I met someone who had no marks. I know. She told me about you. 
Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? He questioned. The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about those stickers. And I felt like it was a beautiful picture that God wanted me to bring to this church today of what Bob was saying. We're not called to fix people. We're called to lead them to their creator. As small group leaders, you don't have the responsibility to try and take off stickers or add stickers to people. Your responsibility is to lead them to their maker. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, we come to you, and God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your church, to be part of your kingdom, and God, I thank you for every leader in this room. Father, I know that you know their story. You know what brought them into this room today. You even know what their morning routine was like. And Father, I just pray that in our time together, you would speak, not my words and not anyone else's words, but Father, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. And we thank you in advance that Clemson will win a national championship. In Jesus' name, amen. What? All right, what I love about being a small group leader is this picture of leading people back to their creator. Isn't it crazy to think that when God was creating his master plan, he chose Jesus, right, his son, to come and save us. And then he's like, all right, um, how am I going to get these people to, like, work things out on earth? Oh, each other. Like, we're plan A. Has it ever occurred to you that, like, there's not a plan B? Like, he didn't have, like, this another plan out there that's like, okay, I'm going to send another group of, you know, angels down to help work people out in their sin issues. No. God's like, I have Jesus to bring salvation, but I have my people to bring healing. And we are a part of that healing process. In James 5, it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you might be healed. What this means as small group leaders is we have the front row seat to taking people on a journey of leading them back to their creator, where they'll be able to confess to one another the things that they walk through. As leaders, we get to take them along the journey of the things that God has taken us through that we now get to partner with them and they get to be led back to their creator. But the thing is, is we gotta see people through the correct perspective because if we see people just as their problems, as leaders, we'll accidentally put dots on them, right? Like if all you think about is their marriage struggles or their financial struggles or the way that they're walking in, they're always negative. If we see people as problems, we'll actually put dots on them. Or if we see people as instruments, things that give us better influence or it gives us selfish ambition, well, now we see them as instruments and that's not right either. We're now putting stars on them. Like, oh, I like this person because of what they can do. But what God has called us to as small group leaders is to see them as lovable humans, right? To see them as his children. And our one responsibility is not to remove or add stickers, but rather we are to lead them back to their maker. One of my favorite quotes is by C.S. Lewis. He says, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. 
Isn't it so true when you're in a conversation and you're having a conversation about something you've walked through and when someone gets it, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like the weight is lifted off because suddenly you realize I am not alone. And that is what small groups is all about. And so as a leader, we have this um, formula, if you will, that we like to say around Highlands. We say that relationships plus intentionality equals discipleship. So relationships, who you know, where you go, and what you do. That's your sphere of influence. The relationships you have, all you have to do is add some intentionality, and that's your small group. And I love that about groups because you're not adding something to your calendar. You're taking what you're already doing and now making it a part of your advancing the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 9, 22, Paul writes, Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell them about Christ and let Christ save him. How cool is this? What Paul is saying is he's saying, hey, I just need you to put some purpose around what you're already doing, right? Take the common ground, the things that you're already in. Maybe you go to a gym and anybody love to work out in here? I feel like some of you, yeah, yeah. So maybe you're going to a gym Tuesday hit class and Pastor Michael's like, no, that's not my vibe. Okay, Brooke, got it. So you like maybe you go to a gym and right before the workout class, you do a little intentional time with the people in the room. Maybe you're a mom and you have a son and you're taking him to baseball, baseball practice. Like what a great opportunity to, to find common ground with the people that you're doing life with. And I love this part of the verse. It says that we might tell them about Christ and let Christ save them. So even when we're finding common ground with people and letting them know about Christ, it's not our responsibility to save them. Like this goes back to being a leader. Like your one responsibility is to continue to point them back to their creator, to their savior, and to their purpose. And let me tell you what, there is, there is no greater fulfilling moment than when you as a leader see someone and you see potential in them. And you're like, I know there's more in you. And you get to take them along the journey. And maybe they don't open up as first. Like maybe they're a little hard-headed. This last semester, I had a, um, a group I led. And there was this girl named Mary in my group. And she's so sweet. Um, but she was only in my group because her parents made her be in my group. <laughs> she's in college. And she was kind of drifting off into another direction. And her parents reached out and just said, like, hey, Mary needs some help. You know, do you have any leaders? And one of the pastors reached out to me. So Mary ends up in my group. And... Every week, she just sat there, like, literally like this. And I'm like, Mary, how's your week going? Fine. Cool. Uh, How's your family? Fine. Like, amazing. Um, Do you want to be here? No. Like, cool. Love that. Um, Okay, so that was Mary's engagement, right? And I am like, what kind of common ground can we find? I'm like, Lord Jesus, I feel like we have nothing in common. I'd be like, do you like to run? She's like, no. I'm like, do you like to jump? She's like, no. I'm like, do you like to write? She's like, no. I'm like, what do you like to do? She's like, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, I like to do a lot of things, so no common ground. Um, But anyways, nothing better, no better common ground than food. Like, right? You can always find common ground with food. So I tell her, I'm like, how about we go to lunch? She's like, sure. I'm like, great. So we go to lunch and we're sitting there and, you know, I naturally talk a lot, which is, a, you know, it's own problem. But I'm like asking her questions. It's like one word answer. I'm like pulling stories out of nowhere. I'm like telling her about my life story all of a sudden. And we're like getting to the end of lunch and I'm so discouraged as a leader. I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl. I mean, she's just, I'm trying to find common ground. We are, I don't know if you like fried okra, but we were sharing fried okra and I really thought that would seal the deal. 
I didn't. And so we're sitting there and I'm about to get up and she says, hey, can I tell you something? I'm like, please, anything. Like literally tell me anything. That'd be great. She said, I don't trust you. I was like, okay, I just paid for your fried okra and <laughs> like I just sat here for an hour and a half telling you my whole life story. She's like, I just, I just don't trust people. She's like, it's nothing against you. I just don't trust people. And I was like, no problem. I said, you know what? I'm not asking you to contribute at all to this group. Why don't you just, when you come, feel the freedom to just sit and be in the room? She was like, deal, I'll come back. I'm like, praise God, amazing. She comes back, same response, doesn't say anything, sits there. I'm like, telling my co-leader, I'm like, I think we had breakthrough. And then the group ends. She's like, I don't think you had breakthrough. I'm like, okay. And um, we get though to the end. And I was mentioning last night, freedom. It was a freedom group where lots of conversations happen. And we get to the conference. And in the middle of the conference, the Holy Spirit speaks to her and says, it's time to let go of that past wound and your perspective of specifically, it was girl friendship she was really struggling with. And it's time to step into new friendships. And kid you not, the Holy Spirit said, You're, you should start talking to KK about what's going on. I'm KK, that's my nickname. You should start talking to Kaylin what's going on. She comes up to me and she's like, I think I heard the voice of God. And I'm like, I think I heard the voice. I'm like, that's eight more words than you have ever said. And the last semester, I'm like, that's amazing. What did he say? She's like, I think he said, I can tell you like what I've been struggling with. I'm like, amazing. We sit down, she starts crying crying her eyes out, telling me about these friendships that she's been struggling with. And the reason she doesn't trust is because they to- she told her secrets and then they told her secrets and friendships have always been a sore spot. And I thought, fried okra, are you kidding me? It took me taking her to lunch and paying for her lunch for her to open up. Like, isn't that so amazing that the common ground we can find with people is in the most simple, mundane, everyday pieces of life. And what I love about leading a group is once you find your relationships, now you add some intentionality around it, right? So in that conversation, I just wanna share a couple things that we like to do in groups that help add that intentionality, right? So it's not just eating fried okra. Now we are taking them on a journey of intentionality, and this is what it is. Number one, if you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, you can still write it down. Number one, connect relationally. This is so important. Connect relationally. Get to know their name. Get to know their story. And even if they're, you know, like Mary, just staring at you with a blank face, keep asking questions. The thing is, is we have to remember as leaders, the fruit of their life is not determined on us. Like that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be obedient and to say yes to Jesus. The responsibility of what happens in their lives is on God. And so as a leader, it's so important to when, we, when we're listening, when we're asking questions, we're not asking with the intent of coming up with a really smart answer. We're asking because there are people worthy to be listened to. They are people worthy to be loved, not to be fixed, not to be controlled, but to be loved. And that's where the common ground comes in. Connecting relationally is having those conversations around what they're interested in and being in tune with the Holy Spirit. Like, Lord, where are you leading this conversation? right? Being in tune with where he is headed. And in that, taking the pressure off of like, I don't have all the answers. Matter of fact, I tell every small group that I'm a part of when they're like, what do you think about this? And if I don't know, I'm like, I don't know. I really don't. But I know who knows God. 
and I'm leading them back to their maker, right? Leading them back to the one who does have all the answers. Um, I have the amazing Heidi Glenn. Can we give it up for Heidi Glenn? She's amazing with me in the room today. And um, we've known each other for, for forever, it feels like. Um, she's been working with my dad over the last 10 years? 10 years, wow. Praise God. Um, really, congrats. Um, <laughs> But my dad's amazing. Shout out. Uh, but anyways, the more I've gotten to know her, the more I've gotten to know her story. And her and her husband um, had divorce papers on the table. Like her name signed, ready to turn them in. And um, they had stumbled into Church of the Highlands through some relationships and got invited to a marriage dinner, better together, small group. And she was telling me the other day how when she walked in, she was thinking, God, like, these people have their lives together. We have divorce papers on the table. I'm ready to throw in the towel. This is it. And I said, well, what did they talk about in the group? And she said, that's the thing. I don't remember one thing that was said. But I remember feeling loved and feeling connected with and realizing, like, I'm not the only one who thinks their husband is a little cray-cray. Like, I'm not the only one. Like, there's other people in the room that I can connect with. And they're now happily married. She's in full-time ministry. Her husband is absolutely amazing. And I just think that's such a picture of like, it wasn't that anyone gave them some secret sauce to marriage. It was just someone was like, do you need a hug? It looks like you need a hug, right? And through that, their marriage was saved. All right, so number one, connect relationally. Number two, pray daily. I mentioned that I'm a Clemson fan, and so I have to quote Dabo, naturally. Um, Dabo has so many great quotes. My brother will, like, text me anytime they're in, like, a team meeting, and he shares something. And so my brother texted me this the other day, and I absolutely love it. And this is a quote. It says, in order to be great on the field, you have to be great off the field. In order to be great off the field, you have to learn how to do common things in an uncommon way. And... For Christians, I feel like prayer is one of those common things, right? It's like, we should pray, Jesus said it, the Bible says it, your pastor says it, we should all pray. And, but I also find that as Christians, we can like shy away from it. Like we can get awkward about prayer when really prayer is just a conversation with God. And these three little, little steps is how to incorporate prayer in an uncommon way, right? Praying scripture. When you don't know what to pray, let me tell you what, scripture is your best friend. I love when someone brings a request to me and I'm like Googling verses on anxiety. Let's pray this right now, right? Like praying scripture changes everything because it's the word of God. It's living and active. It's better than anything we could ever actually say in our prayers. The next thing is praying requests. As a small group leader, ask. Like, in in a really good way to ask people if you don't want to be like, hey, what's your prayer request? Another great way to ask that is, hey, if you could ask God for one thing, what would it be? And it gets people thinking. Like, they're not just like, yeah, could you pray for my grandmother's kitten who's going through surgery? Now they're actually telling you the things that are going on in their life. Like, oh, well, if I could ask God for one thing, I'd actually ask him for peace because, man, lately I've just not been experiencing peace, right? So that question is a great way to unlock in your small group people opening up and sharing their requests. And then the last is um, to pray first. That's such an awesome phrase, and I love it so much. And, you know, how many times are we in a conversation and someone opens their heart and they're like, will you pray for me? And you're like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And you walk away and you see me at church next week, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I never prayed for you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, only God knows that, right? So my, my encouragement to you as leaders is like, if someone asks you for prayer in that moment, hey, can we just stop real quick? I feel like this is heavy on your heart. Like, let's pray about that right now. 
And as leaders, take the confidence and authority to pray, not just scripture and requests, but to pray right then and right there. You are a leader, and that's why you're in that room, is to take them on a journey back to their maker. And prayer is the number one way to get them headed in that way. One quick little tool we like to use around at Highlands, um, if you can't tell, I'm a big sports fan, is ESPN. All right, so as leaders, this is so helpful, okay? Especially when people bring situations to you that you might not know exactly how to handle in conversations. This is like, I mean, not just in small groups, this is like marriage. Well, I'm not married yet, but I'm assuming I'm gonna use this. Um, But like friendships, workplace, like this is the best formula because what happens is it takes the attention off the problem and puts it back on God. So you lead with hope, encouragement, like, hey, I know you're dealing with that, but listen, we serve a good God who loves you and is for you. And then you throw in a scripture, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says that he has a plan for you and you, you start engaging with them. You're, you're, what you're wanting to do with that person is not just sit in the pit with them, but help get them out of the pit, right? Like as a leader, encourage scripture. And then, like I said, prayer, prayer is so important. And then the last would be next steps. And we're going to talk more about next steps in a second. But essentially next steps, all it is, is it's helping them take one step closer to their maker, one step closer to their purpose, one step closer to their church. So one quick story on prayer that I love because it hits home right here is um, my parents, you know, they got saved at Church of the Highlands when I was super young and um, my parents' parents weren't saved. So my mom's parents specifically, um, they were actually divorced. And so my mom felt prompted by God to start praying with her father every day for 40 days, which was a very taunting request from God. My mom's like, no, 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 no. Like, this is not the guy who wants to pray with me. But of course, obedience, she took the step of faith They prayed together for 40 days, and at the end of it, her sister was dealing with some health issues, and so um, my grandfather said, hey, why don't we start like a family prayer call? And my mom's like, oh my gosh, you want to keep praying? Like, great. So he said, every Tuesday, let's all get on a phone call, and we'll all pray together. Well, what we didn't realize, but only God knew, was that my grandmother and grandfather started praying together on the phone every Tuesday for about four years. Every Tuesday, we're praying for my Aunt Amy. We're praying for her. God, God heal her. God, move in her life. God, move in this family. Okay, so they went from like divorced, not talking, to now once a week praying together on the phone. And through that process, because we know what prayer does, we win in the spiritual, we can win in the natural. What happened is their hearts started being softened toward each other. And after 15 years of divorce, They had a conversation and God actually brought their marriage back together. They got remarried, had a real wedding on the next time. And what I love about that is like, we had no idea that coming together to pray for our, my, my aunt, my mom's sister was God was moving on their behalf. Right. And that's the power of prayer. It's God's moving when we don't even know, but when we partner with him and we take people on this journey back to their creator, he does what only he can do. All right. So connect relationally, pray daily. And then number three, grow together. And this goes into the conversation of next steps. You know, you're going to see in your group um, people from all walks of life. I love when Sally and Bob were sharing how, like, some of them, you know, they had never prayed out loud before. 
Um, some of them maybe not be reading their Bible. Some of them might not even be coming to church like regularly. And as a leader, you have an opportunity to look at each member, identify where they're at spiritually, and then help them take one step. I love in Proverbs where it says, be sure you know the conditions of your flock. Give careful attention to your herds. And what that proverb is saying is know what's going on. Like part of connecting relationally and praying daily is also realizing like there are people in this group that their next step is simply to open their Bible and read a scripture. Like that's where their next step is. Or maybe it's to grab the hand of their spouse and to pray together for the first time. And you have a front row seat as a leader, not to fix it, not to make it happen, but rather to lead them back to their maker and help them realize that their relationship with God can be more than just a Sunday and more than just a checking off the box. Do y'all agree with that? Amen. Yes. Next steps are so exciting. Um, We do a survey at the end of the small group semester where we get to learn um, from our group members. This was, we did this a while ago where we'd ask, you know, where did you grow in your group? And, you know, tell us about what next step you took. And we would leave a a blank at the bottom that would say other. And it would give people the opportunity to write in a next step that maybe wasn't listed on the card. And the amount of times, like, I mean, it was 100% every time we would get an overwhelming response. You want to hear what the next step was that they took? Forgiveness. They would say, I finally forgave my mom. And then at the top, it would be like, what kind of group are you in? It's like, Frisbee. It's like, what? You you went to a Frisbee group, but you forgave your mom? But that's the power of relationships. It's not that it was this perfect curriculum where they knew the theology of this, that, and the other, but it was that they had a conversation with someone, and someone realized, hey, your next step is actually to forgive that person. And that was the step that was taken. That's what we have the opportunity to do as leaders. So as we wrap up, just a few more thoughts. And these are just some common objectives um, that we have seen at Highlands on why people think like maybe I shouldn't lead. Like, I don't know if you're in this room and you're like, this sounds all cool and dandy and amazing, but I just, I don't know if I'm sold yet. Like, I don't know if I wanna lead. All right, well, these are three common objectives that we hear about leadership and why people can't lead. Number one is too busy. And um, I think this, this excuse is so, like, funny to me because I think, like, when is it ever going to slow down? You know what I'm saying? Like, are we ever not going to be busy? But Ecclesiastes 11.4, I love this verse. Listen to this. It says, if you wait for the perfect conditions, you won't get anything done. If you wait for the perfect conditions, you won't get anything done. What, what is being written right there is that you can't be too busy because relationships matter. Like the people who need to be in your group need to be in your group because God needs them there. And I can submit to you every time I lead a group, it ends up fueling all the other areas of my life. Like what I thought was adding to my calendar wasn't actually adding, it actually was fueling. Because when you experience fulfillment and purpose and you get to pray with your group and maybe it is a Frisbee group and you just get filled up by community and connecting relationally, what happens as a leader is you leave and you go, I was made for this. And that's not just a cool saying. Like I really was made for this. And that's inside each and every one of you. 
And so if that's something you're wrestling with, like, am I too busy? Let's talk with the team. Like, let's get creative ways. Maybe it is on the way to school dropping off your kids. Maybe it is at work. I love how Clay mentioned that last night. Like, maybe you're at work, and it is a lunch group with a group of businessmen talking about leading in your homes outside of the work environment. Let's get creative because too busy, I'm telling you what, we don't have enough time to be too busy, right? Like, the enemy, he's the worst, and he's just got to go. And the number one way he can go is when we work things out relationally. That's number one. Number two, unqualified. Talk to a lot of people who say, you know, oh, I just, I don't know the Bible enough. You know, I don't know how to handle this situation if it comes up. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, it is says, it is not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. The only reason we can stand here today is because of the blood of Jesus. And that is why we're a part of groups. The last is disqualified. And um, this one brings me back to this story. Um, And Justin, you can come hang. I asked Justin to come be a part of this because when I was praying through this moment, um, you know, I was asking God about this book and I'm like, a children's book, really? Like, is that gonna land? I don't really know. Um, that wasn't funny to y'all. Um, but anyways, <laughs> it's funny to me. And um, he, he, I was praying for y'all and I just honestly have just been like, you know, tell me more, God. Like, why this book? And he made me start thinking, you know, naturally I thought, yeah, these are, you know, we're Lucia and these group members have all these stars and dots and we don't have stars and dots because we meet with our maker already. And, and God just like challenged me with like, hey, listen, like we always have things we got to work on. And our past that we think disqualifies us is the very thing that God wants to use in your group. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. What Paul is writing there is, hey, the very thing that God used to bring you comfort, you're now gonna get to bring comfort for others. But this is not just like a church thing to do, like this is purpose. Like the very thing that you're like, yeah, that, that dot, we're just not gonna mention it. You know, or I'm going to get that star because once I get there, then God can use me. And God started giving me some examples of, of some of you who might be in the room. He said, there's someone in this room whose marriage at one point was on the brink of divorce. And it's time you take your spouse's hand and you lead a marriage group. That there's some people in this room who you struggled with addiction and you think, I'm in church now and that's my past. But God is calling you to lead a group with men who are walking out of that season. And you are going to be the empty vessel fit for the master's use, helping them get free and free. That there's a high school girl in this room. She's called to lead that girl's group. Called to lead her community of girls to start seeking the face of their father. And there's a mom in this room and mom life has been crazy. And you're actually to find someone who's empty nesting already and you're to lean into her 
and let her mentor you through the beautiful journey of motherhood. You see, some people that are going to be in your group, they're going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And how amazing that God would choose us to partner with him to bring them back to their maker. I want to pray for y'all. And uh, this song has been stirring in my heart. And it's so simple. It's the heart of worship. Anybody know that song? And I love that song because what it does is as a leader, sometimes we can think like, like I'm disqualified or I don't have enough like qualifications. And, and God's like, wait, 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 wait. This is about him. Like, this is about his church. And we just have the awesome opportunity to come alongside and to take our common ground, the things we're already involved in and bring them back to their maker. So maybe you wanna sit in this moment. Maybe you wanna stand. I invite you to, to worship how you want, but I want you to pray this prayer. God, what do you have for me in this next season with small groups? Like, what do you have me to lead and who do you want me to invite to be a part? Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for this room. And God, I thank you for the opportunity to worship you. God, I pray right now that you would speak and you would make it so clear on the type of group, who to invite, and what we are to be a part of. God, I pray for that marriage in this room that's been wondering if they should lead to be confident that you have called them to it. For that father, for that son, for that daughter, God. That you make it clear. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for thing I've made. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to you. Declare that in your heart. I'm coming. 
lift your voice. Let's pray right now for the people who are to be in your group, for the group you're supposed to lead. God, I thank you that every person in this room, you have called by name and you love them. God, you know their story and the things that the enemy has tried so hard to use against them. We say, you know our past, but we know our future. God, I thank you right now for every leader in this room that as they step into leadership and into confidence, Lord, that you would speak to them. And as we grow and as we lead people back to their maker, Father, that you would receive all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. Because at the end of the day, Lord, it is all about you. If you love Jesus and you're in agreement, can you clap your hands and say thank you to God? Amen. Why don't you give your neighbor a little high five and we'll jump into what's next.